This podcast contains adult language. Starting now. Hello, and welcome to yet another episode of All the World's a Cage, the podcast that delves deep into Nicolas Cage's precipitous filmography, one movie at a time. But this isn't just a podcast, folks. It's an invitation. Come along with us on a voyage to Chicago, the Windy City. Here, Sir Michael Caine explain what a camel toe is. Meet a real blue ribbon fuck. See Nicolas Cage just being his ex-wife right in the face with a snowball. Today, we're discussing the 2005 comedy drama, The Weatherman, starring Nicolas Cage as Not a Hill of Beans. I'm your co-host, Josh. I'm your co-host, Jeff. And I'm your co-host, Sean. So, had you guys seen this movie before? I Mm -mm. had not seen this movie before. I have memories of 2005, Jeff, seeing all of the posters and the trailer focusing very much on the fact that he had a bow and arrow and (laughs) yeah at the time you know it wasn't old boy or eg the killer or garden state so i wasn't really (laughs) interested in watching it it's kind it's kind of garden state it's more on the garden state end of the spectrum than the eg the killer end of the spectrum it's a little garden state (laughs) (laughs) well i wouldn't have known you know i yeah i no, I, i had not seen this movie before Yep, that was a first time for me as well. Um, yeah. Uh, mm. <laughs> now, Sean, I, I sense, I sense a little disappointment in your tone there. Did do, did you not enjoy this flick, or are you sad that you hadn't seen it yet? Uh, I had to, I had to watch this like at three, three different times because I kept falling asleep. Oh no. <laughs> I thought this movie was pretty boring. First Primal and now this. I bored you guys both to death. The concept is dead and buried already. <laughs> <laughs> I had watched Primal the like before and all the way through. Now that that's a movie. Not better than this movie, but it's also a movie. <laughs> they're, yeah, they're both movies. That's hard to dispute. Yeah, I had also never seen this movie. And like you, Jeff, I remember seeing a lot of like uh, posters and trailers that heavily featured that bow and arrow and people throwing stuff at him. And I remember thinking like, that's not a movie I, I would enjoy. Probably that's not a movie for me. And it turns out I was kind of right on that. I didn't really enjoy this a whole lot. What did you guys think? Uh, I I enjoyed aspects of it. Um, It wasn't, Mm -hmm. you know, my new favorite movie or anything like that. I definitely appreciated it more as an adult. Like if I would have watched this, you know, Mm -hmm. this came out when I was like a sophomore in high school and I would have been bored to fucking tears watching it at that point in my life. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like when does he get the bow and arrow and why isn't he shooting it at all the people throwing burritos? He only aims it at someone once. I mean, it was his his ex-wife's current (laughs) lover. Oh, God, that uh, seemed bad. And then for a second, everybody at the funeral. 
Yeah. Well, it's that was what, that was the thing I actually really liked. He draws the bead on him like he lines up the shot and his like interior monologue about like what it would be like to shoot. And then mm-hmm. like the camera just kind of pans over and they're all standing there and they've always been standing there. They're like just <laughs> out of frame. Like at yeah. first they make, you know the cinematography is set up in such a way that it looks like it's just the two of them out in this snowy Chicago field. Yeah. And then it quickly becomes evident that that is definitely not the case. Like there's just all of his family and friends are standing right there. And nobody even really seems all that surprised either. They're just like, Oh, Dave, Yeah, they kind of give a look like he's not really gonna. No, no, he's not. Come on at your, at your father's living funeral, Dave, get your shit together. Dave. So, we should probably yeah. just give a quick synopsis of the movie in case you haven't seen it and you're listening to this. Uh, Nick Cage is a weatherman in Chicago. He's decently successful uh, professionally, I guess. Uh, he's really unfulfilled because he doesn't like his job and he feels like it's hollow. People don't like him. People throw shit at him on the street. He is divorced, I think, or in the process yeah. of getting. Yeah, I think he is actually divorced. Uh, he doesn't have a good relationship with his kids or his dad. His dad is dying. Uh, and he's trying to get another job in New York as like a bigger show. And that's pretty much it. Brian Gumble, That'd be fun to work with. <laughs> yeah. Brian Gumble seemed like kind of a dick in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I think he seemed all the footage that you saw of him besides when he was waving on the float. It's like all just like morning America stuff. Like it's not... <laughs> It's just the news. It's the Today Show. It's not like you actually see. He doesn't come in and he's just like they're they're in the changing room and he's he's just like, oh Dave, you're a piece of shit. Bye. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> What's I, the nipper? You dipshit. <laughs> I, I did. I did wish that there was more from the little like celebrity newscaster cameos. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I wish they had had actual bit parts instead of just. I mean, they're basically just props. You know, it's like oh, see he the the. <laughs> This is real America. This is a realistic movie where Bryant Gumble exists. Yeah, like, look, we got Bryant Gumble. Okay, bye, Bryant. <laughs> All right. See ya. Back into your trailer. Back on the plane. Goodbye, Bryant. Bye. Um, one of the other, one of the big focal points of the movie, I think, is that he feels overshadowed by his father. Like, his dad is Michael Caine, who was like a successful Pulitzer Prize winning author. He kind of feels overshadowed by him, like he's not living up to that. And you can tell that it but goes both ways. Like Michael Caine is also a little bit disappointed in him. And I was a little bit disappointed in Michael Caine for doing an American accent in this movie. Yeah, kind of doing an American mm, accent. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, both both Alfred and uh, Tony Stoneham, Alfred and Tony Stoneham are both doing <laughs> Pretty bad American accents in this movie. Yeah, Tony from Skins, also known as Beast from X-Men, and probably other stuff. <laughs> I forgot I think, he was Beast. Yeah, I think there's like a movie where he's a zombie. I never saw it. Yeah, that's oh, a yeah. Warm Bloods, Warm blo- Warm Bodies. Warm, warm bodies. bodies. Warm Bodies, yeah, never saw it. I have the novel on my bedstand. Yeah, I remember seeing trailers <laughs> for it and thinking, I probably won't enjoy that movie, much like this one. Uh, I actually thought he was pretty good, Tony, uh, in this movie. Yeah, he's uh, he's a much more sympathetic character in this than he is in Skins. In Skins, he's extremely punchable. Such a dick. Yeah. But 
But he's that fun dick that, like, you know, he's the popular kid. And then, I mean, I just had an infinity for Chris and Sid, but especially Chris mm. <laughs> and Angie. You get it. Yeah. R.I.P. Chris. <laughs> R.I.P. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his character in this movie, uh, you know, he he does play the part pretty well. It's like basically the son, Nick Cage's son, who is in rehab for getting caught with some pot. And he's like mm. 14 or 15, yeah. something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So like kind of young, but, you know, otherwise like a good kid. It's not like he, he they, he's not presented as being like a true fuck up. He's just like a kid that had a little bit of weed and now he's doing the rehab thing. But he's like a good hearted kid you know yeah i i was kind of surprised by that that he was like in treatment for all that stuff because when they don't tell you exactly what it is until later they just constantly reference like his treatment and his counselors and i was like oh shit what did this kid do it turns out not really all that much yeah not really anything just you know if you're a minor local celebrity you know maybe that is part of it yeah probably you're you're the you're the son of someone recognizable so it's like well then you have to do go through the treatment program and all this stuff which ends up you know exposing him to predation yeah oh god that was a very uncomfortable scene yeah when the when the when the counselor says i'll catch you later i cringed i was like gross yeah every time why'd you say that every time we came back to that plot i was just exasperated and like oh, boy. I can only take I can only pause this movie to take a shower so many times <laughs> I had a bad feeling about that guy and like from from the second you see him there uh uh god what's that kid's name you know what let's just call him Tony I don't fucking care um <laughs> I was going to the entire time <laughs> as soon as he sees Tony in that store buying sweaters you know like like a teenager does yeah yeah the making a very adult uh (laughs) wardrobe selection he's buying like a knit sweater yeah Yeah, that wasn't a pantera t-shirt if i'm wrong (laughs) i'm sorry uh i frequently at that age was in a lot of hot topics yeah i was was about to say wait a minute this isn't hot topic this is yonkers definitely wouldn't have rung true there's no invader zim insignias on this (laughs) garment um but it's cool because this counselor buys it for him so it's not a big deal there you go nothing wrong with an adult man buying an adult sweater for a young boy (sighs) also i get a discount so don't worry it's like free to me Ugh. yeah also hey do you work out yeah all right that's and that's the last joke i make about that whole thing anyway some other stuff happens in this movie too yeah every person in chicago fucking hates nicholas cage in this movie well is that just because they live in chicago (laughs) whoa uh the windy city more like the dickhead city Oh, oh snap i didn't say that i didn't say that i'm glad somebody finally is oh I mean, yep. Coming out with a controversial opinion that people that live in the third biggest city in America can be rude sometimes. Yeah, they walk so fast. It's, What's what, with it's that? crazy. What's with that? Wow. Could we be having more of an <laughs> Iowa moment on this podcast right now? Sorry, Chicago. We love you. Your city's beautiful. Yeah, like 
I liked Very all pretty. of the scenes of him interacting with it. I mean, so basically, at the beginning of the movie, the first like one of these interactions that we get is he is waiting in line at like the DMV, <laughs> right, or something. Like he has to go like update his car's yeah. registration. Yeah, and the man behind him in line, you know, recognizes him as David Spritz, the uh, weather caster for you know the one of the local news stations, and he you know gives him the little like, hey, do your line what's the spritz nipper that's the spritz nipper which is really fun to say i've said it a lot (laughs) i watched this movie like five days ago and i've said the word spritz nipper out loud a lot of times since then it's a real spritz nipper man i i just said the nipper (laughs) i just said the nipper like what's the nipper like what's the nipper what's the nipper what is the nipper so the nipper's on thursday all right that's supposed to be the cold day, right? Like that's the I guess, yeah. 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 The coldest day out of the week. How could any producer let that be a catchphrase? Cuz like how many times do you think you could say spritz nipper on TV before you accidentally said something like nipple? Yeah, something that would get you fined <laughs> by the FEC. Well, I don't think nipple is a, a, a swear word. <laughs> I mean, it's only illegal if you show them. Yeah, additionally, this is this movie came out in 2005, which means it's sort of the pre the rise of Internet meme culture. So there isn't like all of the Internet just waiting in the wings to like swarm over this stupid catchphrase and turn it into inappropriate things. But luckily, this movie did a super cut for us of him getting hit with uh, trash food, like just random food (laughs) and falafel. And falafel one time. Yeah. Well, it's always fast food. Yeah, the falafel was really out of place because of the reason that it wasn't a specific branded fast food item, Uh which is a recurring theme in this movie. There's a lot of background shots of like Arby's and McDonald's and, you know, different fast food chains. They say big gulp. Clearly an intentional choice. I mean, I don't think that Burger King and McDonald's and Arby's and 7-Eleven all paid for product placement. What's like, a what's a frosty? <laughs> it's like a milkshake. <laughs> yeah, I never <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I love Michael Caine asking me what a frosty is, you know. <laughs> well, what is a frosty? Yeah, that's that was my favorite running joke in this movie cuz there's some funny jokes in this movie. But I, I loved all that Michael Caine repeatedly sees Nick Cage like covered in food and just goes, what's that? And Nick Cage doesn't explain what happened. He just goes like, it's a big gulp or it's a frosty. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, he, you know, it's so rote for Dave Spritz that he's getting hit by these things that it doesn't even register as like a story you know he's not saying like oh man it's the craziest thing i was just walking down the street and someone threw this milkshake at milkshake at me like isn't that fucked up he's just like what's a what does it look like it's a frosty yeah he's very used to getting treated like shit by the universe which is pretty much like what this movie is about um although it's also i kind of like bounced back and forth when i was watching it between I, I was trying to decide if it was more that the world was being unfair to him or that he was making mistakes and messing things up. You know what I mean? Because it kind of seems like it goes back and forth. Every time I thought like, ah, oh, poor guy, then he would do something stupid like 
read his wife's secret at that divorce counseling thing. Yeah, it's a very, it, you know what it reminded me of? Curb your enthusiasm, but much less funny. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's that same dynamic where he's he's this put upon schlub who you have a genuine reason to kind of root for him. But then uh-huh. he just continuously makes these mistakes. And I, I, I do think that's the central arc of the movie is he wants to be a good person. He wants to redeem his relationship with his wife and kids. He mm-hmm. wants to impress his father and at the beginning of the movie, he feels very victimized by these circumstances. And he kind of, as the movie goes on, begins to take a little bit more, you know, self-actualized like responsibility. Yeah, like he um, he starts taking archery lessons, I guess. And he beats the shit out of a guy. And uh, I mean, so that guy filed like a police report or something saying that he mm-hmm. did that kid tried to mug him tony tried to mug him yeah so it's yeah, like, to- yeah when the counselor makes a gross pass at tony stoneham tony hits him and then there's a police report filed that's yeah. you know the turning point in that story yeah that's the impetus for him going to the uh, counselor guy's house and beating the shit out of him I that that okay. Can we just talk about that scene real quick? Um, sure, the yeah. part he's in mid monologue uh, when he gets out of the car, and he's always he's he's he just <laughs> got hit with a big gulp or whatever, and he's like, "Why do they always throw fast food?" And like, what you know, like they never throw it at like Brian Gumble never gets hit with a with a milkshake, and I mean senators and doctors don't get. Hit with milkshakes, clowns get hit with pies. <laughs> oh shit! Maybe I'm a clown. And oh wait, no, he's talking. To, yeah, he's talking about the apple pie from uh, McDonald's, and it's just like, oh shit! Yeah, and then it's clown? like in the middle of the monologue. <laughs> oh, and then he he just stops talking to himself or thinking to himself, and just kicks the shit out of that guy, and rightly so. He was just like, what you like. You're telling me that you, like, he stole from you? Like, get the fuck out of here. Goes right back into the monologue and then has a self-realization of he might be a clown. Yeah, yeah, which is, <laughs> it's it's sort of indicative of the problem that he's facing this whole movie is that, like, his own self-obsession. I mean, he's, he's not like. Yeah, I love that. He's not presented as, like, a true narcissist, but he kind of never really stops thinking about himself. You know, it's, he, he wants to have a better relationship with his son and his daughter, but it's always mm-hmm. through the lens of like how it reflects on him as a father, yeah. you know, oh, but, but this is like, this is an actual turning point, you know, where it's like, he, he then tells Tony that not <laughs> his son, Tony, he tells his son that he, you know, has <laughs> like, he, yeah, they're at a fast food, you know, food court in a mall. Because, of course, they are. It's always fast food in this movie. And he tells him, you know, like, yeah, I, I went and uh, talked to him. And, you know, now he's he won't it, it won't be an issue anymore. And, you know, his son is actually like impressed. And it's kind of yeah, like it's kind of like a touching little scene. Honestly, he puts his arm around his son. And he's like, yeah, I actually did write by my kid. Like, cool. He, he does tell him he punched him in the face. 
I I couldn't remember if he actually he's like, explicitly I says it. And then he kind of gets a little like smile on his face, like he's like, yeah, I did punch that guy. Like, <laughs> and his knuckles are all scraped up and bloody. And I was like, dude, you got to be on TV tomorrow. Yeah. And you have like his knuckles are all like red and bloody. His he's also trying to fix his relationship with his daughter, and that is a little bit more complicated. Yeah, that's okay. Okay, when we are introduced to her, she's like, "Can I just like walk home?" And I'm like, "Okay, you must be like a block away from your house, or this yeah. is like a, it's like cold out. What is wrong with you? Like, yeah. just let her." And then he gives her twenty bucks, and then she goes and buys a pa- like a pack of cigarettes, which that cashier doesn't give a fuck. What the fuck, like? <laughs> <laughs> that cashier sucks yeah she's like she's like 10 or something and in, in, in yeah. case i i don't know if you guys said it she's like a 10 year she's a younger of the two children and like she's not like a 10 year old that looks like a 17 year old she's like a fucking 10 year old that just gets sold cigarettes yeah. within two minutes of being introduced to the character yeah it's not a it's not a like a high school kid that has like a full beard so like no you can, no you get him to buy the beer no it is it is like a little girl yeah. asking for some fucking tall cigarettes. Yeah, she gets. I think she gets hundreds because she's yeah. cause she's cool as hell. Well, kids always get hundreds because yeah. it's just more bang for your buck. It you is. Know? You get yeah. more cigarette that way. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, they cost the same. Cost the same. Yeah. Uh, she's got a couple problems throughout the movie that Nick Cage has to address. Um, she has some problems with her clothes. Do you guys know what um? <laughs> What is it referred to? A camel toe is? Yep. <laughs> uh, yeah, I am familiar with the term camel toe. I would say it in 2005, though. I don't think it was part of the popular vernacular. Like, I bet it wasn't That's, a commonly I, known phrase. I put that in my notes that was like, okay, I know what a camel toe is, mm-hmm. but did I know it in 2005? Yeah. I mean... I feel I, like I did. I might have known it by 2005, but I certainly didn't know it when I was like a fifth grade kid, you know, or whatever <laughs> grade she's supposed to get, be. And she's getting bullied b- b- because that's OK. That's right. The, right. the reason the camel toe thing comes up is because she's getting bullied by her classmates. Uh, Michael Caine goes to pick her up from school one day and overhears the the little boys in her class saying it about her. So my, Michael Caine. That explains it. Brings this brings this to Nicolas Cage as an issue. He's like, "Do you know what camel toe? Camel toe? Camel toe is Nicholas? Do you know Nicholas Cage? Nicholas Do you know Cage, what? my son, the actor, Nick Cage. I'm Michael Caine. Right, wait, Caine, no. Cage. It kind of sounds. No, I thought, I thought, uh, I thought Michael Caine's son was um, uh, the the guy, Austin Powers. Damn it." Shouldn't have taken me that long to think of it. <laughs> I thought that Michael Caine never had children because he was too busy being a foster parent, father figure to the bat. I thought you were going to make a, fi- <laughs> a Cider House Rules joke. Oh, shit. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not my wheelhouse. Let's talk about Batman, baby. He's a, he's a lot of dads. Huh. Isn't he? Well, when you're like 80 for your entire career, <laughs> I'm sorry. He just is one of those char- people that like, I feel like he's just been so old for so long. I don't, I've, I, yeah, what's yeah. a young Michael Caine movie? He's like, a, he's like Steve Martin. 
Yeah. Did... Wilford Brimley. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Do you know that in, sure. in Cocoon, Wilford Brimley was like 60? No. Yeah. That can't be right. It's, it's totally true. He was like 60 or 61 when Cocoon came out. Hmm. Well, goddamn. I know. You're supposed to be like an 85-year-old. Yeah, Michael Caine was pretty good mm-hmm. in this, though, I thought. Uh, again, he does the American accent, and it's like when somebody has such a well-known voice hearing them do another one really bothers me a lot. Like like hearing Benedict Cumberbatch do Doctor Strange and he does an American accent, yep. you can never really buy it, you know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, once you're known for this super distinctive voice, like it's interesting, isn't it? Like there you've got, you know, House, like the Hugh Laurie yeah. who is an an Englishman oh, yeah. and he does an American accent for his most well-known role and it's like I, I was like blown away when I found out that that dude was English. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, my, Michael Caine doing the American accent was weird. I, I mean, you know, I like earlier I alluded to him doing a bad American accent and I, I, I got to pump the brakes on that. And I have to wonder how much of that is like my own brain sort of like lurching in between gears. Like, you know, it's possible I'm not giving him enough credit. Yeah, it's. It's like if you, if you watched a dog walk on its hind legs, you you wouldn't be like, that dog's doing a pretty good job. You would be like, that dog's not supposed to do that. Yeah, that dog's not walking right. But haven't you seen haven't you seen those dogs that have like only the two back legs and then they just walk like people? Aww. It's adorable. Um so yeah, Michael Caine <laughs> Michael Caine explains what a camel toe is. And during the explanation there is a <laughs> an amazing montage of like shots of women's camel toe oh by the way if you don't know what that is we should probably explain that yeah go go ahead josh um one of you one of you one go of ahead, you josh can. explain that term it is i think the way the movie describes it is like it's when a woman's pants are too tight and you can tell you can see more than you should i think is how they say it mm-hmm. yeah so that's it is there a, a version of that for men Yes, called a moose knuckle. Thank you. Huh. I, I didn't want to say it, but I wanted you to say it. <laughs> we just want Josh to talk all about these horrible, horrible phrases. Just to <laughs> hand me the sword and tell me to jump on it. All right. Yeah, basically. Um, but when you fall on a grenade, you're a hero, Josh. Just remember that. History will remember you as the not, hero and us as the cowards. Whether, whether you tripped a, on accident yeah. or by purpose. <laughs> it's I'm not a hero, though, if... If my friend pulled the pan and dropped it and then tripped me onto it. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey, here's a hot potato. Catch. Catch. Okay, so you're right. You you might not be remembered as a hero, mm-hmm. but we'll definitely be remembered as villains for this moment. <laughs> I've got to figure out how to pull out of this tailspin. Uh, <laughs> there's a montage during that scene of like close up shots of it. And I thought that was hilarious because you know that there was some production assistant or intern or something who had to get like a hundred of those. So then the director and producers could sit down and pick like the five ones that they wanted to do. Yeah, well, and that's assuming that if they went with pre-existing pictures, there's also a chance that some poor, you know, casting director had to like, you know, they <laughs> opened their e- email and they were like, I've got a no. Why? How do I board this on a call sheet? Hmm. Damn it. Mom was right. I should have been a flight attendant. Fuck. <laughs> and then he explains to his daughter what it is. 
I don't get why he has such a hard time with this thing, by the way. I thought it was... Well, he he has a hard time, like, dealing with it when they go clothes shopping. And I was like, can't you just tell her, like, hey, sweetie, those are too small. Mm -hmm. Let's buy the next size. You know what I mean? Yeah, but he... I mean, he does more than just get her the right size of clothes like this is a pretty cute little scene where they go you know they're in what they're in new york right yeah yeah that's the scene in new york for his interview yeah she's traveling with him to his interview because he's got an interview for hello america it's been narrowed down to like three potential candidates and they go to this like sort of high-end new york fashion clothing store i mean i wear jeans and band t-shirts so not really my wheelhouse but the idea is she puts on these like fancy hats and coats and she you know genuinely it is a better look i mean yeah and you're right it's like a cute little scene you know a little like bonding moment between the two of them yeah no i like that part that was good this is another moment, you know, he gives his little line where he's like, well, and is it comfortable, honey? Because, you know, that's that's the thing. That's the most important thing. It's got to be comfortable. And it's like one of the moments where I'm like, yeah, you know, he, he actually is kind of a good dad or he at least has the capacity to be a good dad. I think, Yeah, I think he's like trying to be a good dad legitimately for like the right reasons, but he's very obsessed with himself. And that's kind of like what's tripping him up. Mm. Aren't we all? Mm. Aren't we all? But... I, I thought, yeah, the they never actually show it, which is a good thing. Uh, just like movie-wise, I, I thought it was a good um, touch. Where she just like walks out of the, the uh, changing room and he just like goes, Oh, no! Oh, God! Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, he's, get new pants! Different he, pants! <laughs> he has a little, little freakout. Because this, this little freakout and then him beating up the sleazy, gross, pedophile counselor mm. is like... Those are the only really freakouts in this yeah. movie. That's something we haven't really talked about yet is this is like an extremely yeah. subdued performance for Nick Cage, like mm-hmm. not not his normal brand at all. Yeah, I, I think he, he yells a little bit at one guy, um, one of the random like Chicago people, you know? Sure. Yeah. But that's you're right. That's it. I mean, I thought he was really good in this, actually. Like I, he really sells the existential midlife crisis kind of depression um really well which i mean i wasn't really surprised he's i think he's a pretty good actor so yeah i mean he he definitely does sell this performance um certain nick cage movies when you're watching them you just see him appearing in this fabricated environment you're like oh look at nick cage being silly or whatever but <laughs> you actually do you actually do get a little lost in the character with this one or i i did at least i mean oh nick you find that declaration of independence i'm so excited for that i've never seen that movie before so, oh that movie fucking rules follow yeah, us on neither. follow follow us on twitter and tell us to watch national treasure <laughs> nobody's nobody's told uh nobody's told us to watch anything yet tell us to watch stuff tell us to watch a good one or a bad one like National Treasure. It's one of those two. I don't know. <laughs> it's, it's both. I have I have a preconceived notion, the, but yeah, his uh his performance in this is uh just so like uh just a straight line through the entire thing where he's pretty much doesn't smile at all uh, except for when he's at work and even then it's just like he's miles away in his own head. 
just staring off into like the water cooler scenes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like he he definitely does a good job of in those moments, you know, there's a scene where it's like an older couple that's, you know, disconnected from the plot. They're just like two random Chicago citizens. They're watching him give his little performance <laughs> or whatever. I love this. And so he seems like a dick. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's his face. I don't like his face. Which is a thing a lot of people say to me about Nick Cage when they say they don't like him. So I wonder if that one had to sting for him a little bit. Ooh, maybe. But what but what I wanted to say is that in those scenes where he's got his like, you know, his I, I call it the customer service face on, you know, coming yeah. working in that industry or whatever, but he's got his like this facade. He does a very good job of looking like, you know, a hollow simulacra of like joy. He puts on a smile that looks like almost genuine, but not really quite. Not really exactly quite genuine. Yeah, there's still like pain in his eyes. Yeah, <laughs> it's but that that happens with the uh, just newscasters, right? Like they're supposed to be friendly and and like just like you see them every morning and they're in your home and you, you like they're supposed to be non-threatening and like just smiley faces even though it's like god. god you just said like how can you say that like three people died in a car crash and still smile about that fucking what is wrong with you it, it, it at like eight in the morning yeah can you imagine waking up at like 6 30 going into your job at eight and then at 8 15 you're like on camera like good morning yeah <laughs> hi chicago when i was staying in chicago i remember the morning like the morning news was called Action News. And it was like NBC or Fox or something. And I was just like, why do they call it Action News? It's a morning news show. But then they like, you know, there's like 12 shootings and like the oh, right. car it's, crashes. It's and Chicago. Like, oh, they, they can call it Action yeah, News. The, it's like yeah. they start their day off with like a death toll. And that's not like a knock on Chicago. This is something that I saw noticed like years ago. But no, it's I just thought it's, it's a big city. It's a big coming, city. It's a, a big city. Thing, yeah. Come, yeah. Coming from Iowa. Yeah. Millions more people. Millions yeah. more people. So it's like <laughs> I just remember being kind of like taken aback being like, Wow, like, of course. That's I mean, not what, you know. That's not the that's names on many, there. How many people you have in this town and then Yeah. <laughs> like just coming from Iowa where it's just like, yeah, a cow got out on the highways. So, whoop whoop de do whatever. Like Yeah, we'll give you 10 minute like, 10 minute updates. Yeah. yeah, it's like weather on the 10. But, <laughs> this constitutes a story here. Yeah. Uh but overall, it's just like these people are like supposed to be just like a smiling yeah. face. And I just I've never cared for it. I've always hated like local news, um, mostly because it's kind of boring and I don't really care what the football team is doing. I don't. We don't have a football team. It's all high schoolers. And I don't care. <laughs> I don't. I mean, it's not the it's really not the boring part that bothers me because I'm an NPR guy and they lean into that aspect and I love it. I, I love those toneless. We should do we should do a whole episode like an NPR episode for all the world's a cage. This has been Jeff Smith. I need a better name. My name is way not juicy enough for an NPR style name. Yeah. Yeah. It needs to be like job. That's good. That's good, actually. Jop? But... <laughs> yeah, just, just Jop. 
it's a mononym. And it ends it ends with a rising inflection. So you're like, yep. thank you. I have been Jop. <laughs> I, I've been Jop. <laughs> you just let it hang. I don't think you guys actually listen to NPR. No, that's like what NPR is like. Well, I'm not going to just say fucking Audie Cornish or a name that actually exists. I have to have my own. Well, I, yeah, it is. It's Jeff Smith. <laughs> yeah, it is Jeff Smith. That's I'm true. Sorry, we'll bleep that out afterwards. You could just say. <laughs> yeah, don't dox me, man. Yeah, I almost I almost just said your full name <laughs> with your middle name, too. And I was like, Ugh, might as well just read your social security number out loud. It's four, eight. Four, five, <laughs> five, five, zero, five, 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 five. This is great radio, you guys. <laughs> I love the scene in this movie where um, uh, he's sad. That was good. It, that's the whole movie. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I actually I didn't have a thing I was going to say. Sorry, I forgot. I love the scene when he's his wife sends him out to get tartar sauce. <laughs> We've all been there. And he's standing at a crosswalk and it's just his inner monologue. And he's like, tartar sauce, tartar sauce, tartar sauce. It's cold. My hips are cold. That's how you know it's really cold. Tartar sauce. And like his mind starts bouncing around. And I was like, that is the best representation of the inside of my mind I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah. Like trying to hang on to that one thing, but it's like everything's trying to pull you away from it. Yeah, it's a very uh, accurate representation of, I mean, I, I think a lot of people do that, where they literally just, you know, mantra it up, like repeat the words they're trying to remember over and over again in their yeah. head. It's actually interesting because I think that that's a thing that people do when they're trying to remember something that they don't care about, you know? Yeah. People can actually internalize things like if, if the tartar sauce bringing the tartar sauce home to complete his family meal was something that he actually cared about then he wouldn't have to like use this like mnemonic device then not that exactly but you know what i mean like yeah, he's, he's yeah. he has to trick himself into remembering yeah like if it really mattered he would just remember it i guess which i think is why when he forgets it his wife freaks out and also because when he gets home he lies which again is another one of those examples where it's like I was like, well, he forgot the tartar sauce. Not a big deal. I'm on his side. And then he lies and I'm like, well, now I'm not on his side anymore. Yeah, it's <laughs> his, his lie, by the way, is they were out. They were out of tartar sauce, which is a <laughs> fucking buck wild thing for a grocery store to run out of. No more. Nope. Someone just bought my last four bottles. <laughs> he also says they were cool about it. <laughs> He does say that. I was just like, she's not cool about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling him. Oh, shit. I'm calling uh, him. Yeah, super busted. Man, what a <laughs> fucked up phone call to receive. You're like a clerk at like a <laughs> Chicago tartar sauce bodega. Well, and uh, like, yeah. You get a phone call. It's like, hey, my husband was just down there and he said that you guys were out of tartar sauce. And I need you to tell me if that's true or not. And then oh, you we're are swimming in it, lady. You're, you're <laughs> <laughs> I'm basically fried cod over here. Ha-cha-cha. Ha-cha-cha. And then you say the classic Chicago saying, ha-cha-cha. 
Tartar sauce. Chicago. Deep dish. Chicago. All right. I made it 41 minutes without saying deep dish. I'm pretty impressed with myself. Damn it. (laughs) Damn it. They didn't throw any deep dish at him. Yeah. Nobody's eating pizza in this movie. That would be too much disrespect to Chicago. (laughs) Yeah. A whole, a whole deep dish pizza. (laughs) That would would be a rough food item to get hit by. Yeah. Like a hot, a hot, greasy deep dish. Just whipped at him. That's like a, a trip to the ER right there. That's a bad one. <laughs> yeah, they're degree cheese burns. Ugh. Yeah, the cheese sticks to your skin. Yeah, it's bad. I can't believe we haven't talked about this. Uh, he has a sex scene in this movie when he's dressed like Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> yes, yes. And it's like a Polish lady. Like she's. It's like an Oktoberfest. Like... Yeah, she's wearing like a, um, a dirndl. <laughs> but what... What Oktoberfest needs? What Oktoberfest needs? Fucking Abe Lincoln there. Like, what, what is I did, that? I didn't even think about that. What I the was, fuck is he doing there? I just there? was like, what costume ass party is this? Like, wow, I wow have never felt I've never felt as stupid as I do in this moment for not realizing the absurdity of that. Why was he dressed like Abe? Was Abe Lincoln from Illinois? Yes. Yeah. Oh, uh, maybe that's well, what the, it is. Isn't it Springfield or something? That, like that? sounds right. But yeah. if you're from if you're from Illinois, first of all, sorry. Second, yeah. let us know. I can't vouch for the authenticity of that because it was not put into a musical by Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> That's the only way I learn stuff now. It's the only way I learn American history. It's the only way I can stomach it. <laughs> so. I love musicals. It's, I mean, it's good. I love, as everybody knows, I love a good musical too. Uh, not as much as a good opera. I love a good opera. I love a good opera. <laughs> hey, so I have a question. Yeah. Are we going to keep a running tally of the number of Nick Cage sex scenes we've been forced to endure? Well, I don't think it'd be forced to, I mean. A running tally of the extremely sensual, glorious... The the ones we've been privileged. Should we we just start that now? It's like we've got the one sex scene with Abe Lincoln and... uh, Mm -hmm. And the milkmaid. Milkmaid, yes. Hilda. Uh, And then... (laughs) She has a name. Hilda. Uh, And then... I I feel like... (laughs) We already saw another one, but I've already buried it in in the in the no no thought zone of my brain. I, I don't. Moonstruck kind of has one. Yeah, but Moonstruck like, kind of has even, that's one. That's just like make out, and yeah. then after coital, they have the like he's like asleep, and she goes out and right. looks at the moon. Yeah, that's that's a fade out, fade in. That that yeah, doesn't yeah. count. Yeah, we, so this yeah, that's is not sex. The, that's romance. So and we're then, at one. We've and we've, in Valley Girl, they just cut to credits right before they get to the hot yeah. stuff. There's a lot of impli- <laughs> there's a lot of implications. Um, so yeah, okay. Then Show we've gotten tell. to see we we've received the privilege of seeing one of these uh, one of these sex scenes. Yeah, because this is a sex scene. It's short, but it's definitely a for real sex scene. Just fucking Abe Lincoln. (laughs) Gore Verbinski, the director of this movie, put Nick Cage in an Abe Lincoln costume, and I will always be grateful to him for that. 
Thank you, Gore. Yeah, don't worry. Um, we're we're gonna talk about so, Mr. Verbinski later. But with other weathermen, or mm-hmm. sorry, weather professionals, uh, weather casters. Yeah, that sounds like a mage. <laughs> weather caster. Yeah. I cast level five summon storm. What is the general term for wind? <laughs> this will allow me to drop a thunderbolt as a standard action on each of my turns. Uh, oh my god, yeah. weathercaster is one of them. Oh, it says here, weather reporter, meteorologist, which he's not explicitly. You have to have yeah, a degree. So that means you you know what wind. That yeah. means you know what yeah. clouds do. Yeah, that comes up multiple times and, in the movie, but he does not. Uh, fucking weathercaster. All right. Well, with Weathercaster, um, I'm just saying, how many times have you seen a local weather caster like dressed up as like a historical figure or like at a sh- used car lot that's like, <laughs> I'm hi, I'm Uncle Sam and I'm also Mr. Spritz. And like, <laughs> well, the answer to that question is zero, but also I have a I have a box in my pocket that just always knows the weather yeah that's true which is always nice i love my pocket box that's so good i mean has the entire summation of all human knowledge contained within it it's amazing but all i'm saying is the cultural significance of these people has has waned and pinterest and and pinterest that's true josh do you spend a lot of time on Pinterest, bud? I, do. I actually am yeah. on Pinterest. Yeah, huh. so it's great because then it's you awesome. get a bunch of fun recipes and you learn like little exercise routines. Yeah, what it's are great. you? Garden tips? Oh my it's got, god! No, it's got a bunch of art on it. It's great for uh, it's great for like finding art. I see. Yeah, like a bunch of like metal art and D and D art. Sure. Yeah, all of the D and D tokens. Yeah. And also, like, ways to arrange succulent plants that are cute. Uh, what were you going to say, Jeff? I'm sorry. I don't know. Uh, joke about a ginger lemonade recipe. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I remember. There, uh, I almost said gingerbread house. I was just going to say that, like, you know, this is this movie came out at kind of the tail end, I think, of, like, the huge cultural significance of these of the newscaster in general, you know, like in the, in mm, through the nineties, yeah. you were still having what the most trusted man in America. What's that guy's name? See, none of us can remember because we're not old people yet. Larry King. What? Larry no. bird. No. What? Larry David. Nope. That's not it. No. David. Walter Cronkite. Is that it? Walter Cronkite. That might actually oh, yeah. be yes, it. Yes, <laughs> yes, that I think sounds correct. But, but mm-hmm. you, you understand what I'm saying? Is like I feel like when we were younger, there still was sort of this like mystique of like these were you know people yeah. that could attain this sort of pseudo celebrity, and now I feel like that's less of a thing. Yeah, for me, it's like every time I see the local newscasters here, I'm like, oh shit, she's still doing that. Like that's my response to it now because I see them so infrequently. It's I. It's like I'm checking up every five years. I I feel like when I see news programs on like TVs and restaurants and stuff, it's usually like Fox News or MSNBC nowadays. It's like mm-hmm. I I don't I literally don't even remember the last time I've seen a local news program. Yeah, it's been a minute, man. 
Yeah. Oh, uh, Michael Caine dies in this movie. Oh, yeah. Michael Caine has lymphoma. Maybe we haven't talked about that at all. Uh, yeah, Michael Caine develops lymphoma um, during the course of this movie. Nick Cage takes him to the doctor a lot. It's a pretty central plot point because it seems like Nick Cage wants to get his approval, I guess, before he dies mm-hmm. and kind of get whatever wisdom from his father that he can. Yeah, I mean, maybe uh, some closure. But uh, I think what it kind of seems like is mm-hmm. that Nick has always been doing these things and just trying to be like, look, I've, are you proud of me? Like I've, I've never been as successful as you, but like, look at, I'm, mm-hmm. I'm super popular. I mm-hmm. make a shitload of money. Um, and he's just like, well, that's fine. And he, he's always doing it in like these subtle he's trying to like subtly drop these hints. You know, he's got he's got his like letter from Hello America that says he's going to interview and he's like he's positioning it, you know, just so in the passenger seat of his car so that Alfred will, you know, have to move it and then take a peek and go, oh, cool. Ooh, la, la. He, he just sits on it. <laughs> I loved that uh, scene, actually, just because of the way the car is like parallel with the building and then it's just the shot itself of just like glass and steel and looks so cold and then the way his dad his dad acts to him is just like just as yeah. cold and and, and you yeah. just and you get, no yeah i that's... And you get that real i think that was the nipper <laughs> <laughs> that scene was the nipper yeah there i there's that 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 was something I wanted to talk about is the way this movie is shot and like the color palette that it uses is very, you know, monotone. Yeah, it's very very muted and distinctive mm-hmm. and is really evocative of Chicago to me. Yeah, you know, winter like, Chicago. <laughs> be, yeah, w- winter <laughs> Chicago. Yes, kind of cold blue gray. Like to me, okay, so Chicago is the American big city that I've well been in. I've never been to New York or Los Angeles. So it's the only one that I have a really sense of what it's yeah. like. And you know, the way it's portrayed in this movie rings true with my experience. It's like the there's a scene where he's like I can't remember what scene it is, but he's like walking down the street in like downtown Chicago, like the business mm-hmm. district of downtown Chicago. And it's just all these like huge expanse of gray, you know, stainless steel and glass and concrete. And there's like not another soul on the street. And usually when I see that in movies, like when we saw that in Moonstruck, I was going ape shit. Cause I was like, there's no way that there's <laughs> no one. Like, I don't care if it's 4 a.m. There's gonna be 400 people on this street it's new york city but yeah you're in fucking brooklyn down downtown like business district chicago i've actually seen it look like that like seen it be a ghost town in that way well when when it's doing that shot and he's walking down um he's he's talking about how his um how he's uh try the way he's been getting older uh he thought he was Mm -hmm. young he had all this opportunity and then it turns out, like, the older you get, the more shoehorned you're into certain I love that. I love that monologue. You, and, then, and then that's the more more people are being pulled mm-hmm. away. Like, they disappear. And then at the end, he's like, hey, it's just me now. Um, I know what I'm doing. I'm the weatherman. And 
this is what I've been doing. I've, I've been set on this path all along, I guess, or, or at least, you know, I didn't plan mm. it, but I'm here now and I'm going to make the best of it. And wow. I thought that was kind of, it plays with what he's saying. His monologue is happening around him. It's almost like the people he knew or been extra exchange. Oh, sorry. Uh, used yeah. to know and <laughs> uh, like how uh, they are all just gone uh not in his life anymore so i i never even caught that that's really clever mm. but yet again I, this movie made me fall asleep i love <laughs> i love yeah. that monologue because it's all about like how life like pairs down your possibilities you know and, like every year you have less options than you did the year before and I didn't even notice that the people in the background were going away during it. That's God damn. That's really clever. I mean, this is a movie that I thought was like very close to being very good. Yeah, it just didn't. Yeah. It just didn't really grab me in a way that made me want to. You know, really like sink my teeth into it and, and rewatch it. For, you know, for funsies, not for the podcast, like it, but it's I, I feel like it's close. Like there's a lot going on in this movie with like the imagery and, you know, all the sets like we didn't even we haven't talked about the archery range and like we haven't talked about archery he, at all. He goes to the well, there's <laughs> I mean, there's really not that much of it, you know, yeah. uh, but he like there's a scene where he like goes to like with his daughter to shoot at the targets next to the Chicago River. And it's just like you know, beautiful expanse. It's like a very beautifully mm -hmm. shot movie. Um, this is gorgeous. Cin yeah. yeah. Cinematographer. Uh, not sure if I'm saying this name correctly, but it's Faden uh, Papa, Ma Papa Michael, Papa Michael Jr. Mm. Uh, you know, was nominated for an Oscar for his work on Nebraska. Uh, he was a cinematographer for Ford versus Ferrari and oh, wow. sideways and cool runnings so you know <laughs> got range but i, I the, thought the, the big four they call those yeah the big four the, i mean it's you know those were the ones that stood out to me i, I don't know what to tell you but it, like i'm <laughs> sorry he uh, uh i thought he brought a lot to this movie and uh yeah it was beautiful I, yeah I it's gorgeous that yeah. throughout the, especially when it goes back to the like just um, fluctuating like ice on Lake yeah. Michigan, uh, it's it's just like it looks. It's just so uh, I don't know. It's it's almost peaceful, but in this like solitude of winter, I guess I don't know. That it's, just, like, it's it, like lonely. Yes. Yeah. And and that's yeah. it, that really uh, helps throughout the movie because I mean, he is lonely. He has a family or had a family and then now just doesn't have a connection with them. And he's trying really hard to like f develop it. Like when Shelley wants to do archery, he's like, sure, let's go. And then he ends up becoming a fan of it. That's kind of the, I mean, I thought it was nice that he had found his own hobby that he enjoys, but <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah. He, fi he finally finds something yeah. and, and interest because he's not even like it. I feel like in a lot of movies where this is sort of the, you know, a man who's disconnected from his family and mm -hmm. like doesn't really have any friends. Like a lot of the this archetype sort of revolves around alcohol and like mm -hmm. he's not 
he's not like a heavy drinker. It's it's not like he really has like these huge noteworthy demons that he's battling. He yeah, just kind of really. like he just kind of doesn't have any shit going on, you know. He's just sort of dissatisfied. Yeah, like I mean, his life isn't like terrible. He is a, a weather caster. He makes they say he makes like two hundred fifty thousand dollars, which yeah, is awesome. must be fucking in this nice. economy. In this economy, in today's money, that's like that's like eight or nine million dollars. That's TV money. I baby. think adjusted for inflation. Yeah, that um, sounds about right. Yeah, it's like eight. Oh, no, like eighty or ninety. Um, he, yeah, I mean, yeah, he's divorced and like doesn't have a great relationship with his kids. But I mean, you're right, Jeff. He's not like in like a downward spiral. Like his life hasn't fallen apart. It's just not where he thought it would be. Or maybe he just never really had an idea of where his life was going to be. Yeah. I mean, he he doesn't even really have a bad relationship with his kids. He just doesn't. They don't have like like they like him. They seem to like him fine and stuff. It's just they don't have this like deep respect, you know, that Mm -hmm. like he has for his father and like wants his father to reciprocate to him. I feel like that's a big thing with his relationship with his kids is it's actually fine. He's just projecting the shortcomings of his relationship with his dad onto them. He he doesn't want the, he doesn't want to have that same relationship where his, that he has with his father. He wants to Mm -hmm. be more of a family man. And he doesn't, you know, he's very supportive. There's like the, there's the throwaway line where Tony Stoneham is like, yeah, I think I want to be like a cameraman for Monday night football. Is, is that okay, dad? And he's just like, yeah, that sounds awesome. You know, he like, Mm -hmm. he is sort of breaking this, the cycle or his perceived cycle, because I don't even, I don't think that Michael Caine is actually like a bad father. Well, no, he did give him good advice. You know, he was like, Mm -hmm. well, it's like when he's, you know, talking about he's like did you read my book or whatever and he's like yeah i read it you know (laughs) oh yeah yeah nick cage wrote a book and it's real bad and it's like oh there's some excerpts of it that are great (laughs) yeah but he's he he says that like you know it's like well i'm i've just been you know doing it for my living and i practiced and i I got better like you did with weather you know yeah yeah. He's like, which I is, don't protect it, <laughs> which is great advice. So stick with us as we continue practicing being good, funny podcast boys who make good jokes. Oh, was that supposed yeah. to be a joke? No, I don't know. We'll I was there. just saying, <laughs> I was just saying it was like, you know, it's you do have that scene where, mm-hmm. you know, I just described it. But it's that's that moment where it's like, you know, when Tony and him talk at the funeral then you have the like different reaction where it's like he was just like eh, you wrote a book it's not good but keep practicing mm. which is good advice it's not bad yeah. he didn't actually yeah. say like you should like if you see a pencil break it in half because that would be more useful than your writing go find a tree go find a tree and <laughs> apologize <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he he pretty much just tells him like, yeah, your book wasn't that good, but if you write another one, it'll probably be better. And then, you know, you just keep working on it, which is great advice. I, you know, I know a lot of people yeah. that get easily demotivated from pursuing things right away. But, you know, if you if you really think you'll enjoy something, it's it's worth putting in the work to uh, 
develop those skills. I think my big problem with this movie, I think it's like well acted. I think it's well directed. I thought the music. Oh, the music's by Hans Zimmer, by the way. Oh, yeah, it's awesome. I, I loved the soundtrack. And the main theme of this movie is the main theme from Inception. It's the same melody. But anyway. Wow. Plagiarized uh, himself. Yeah. I might put a, a little bit of that right here. think it's a totally competent movie i think the script is great i think it's funny in some parts um i just think that like i just don't really know what the takeaway is supposed to be because the end of the movie he has the conversation with michael kane in the car while like a rock by bob seeger plays Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is hilarious that was very funny but um it, it seems like the the wisdom that Michael Caine is trying to impart on him is in life, you need to let some things go. And so then Nick Cage takes the job in, in, uh, in New York and like moves away from his family and seems to be happier in the end of the movie. But I wasn't really honestly like sure why I guess he resolved the problem with his son kind of, and he resolved the stuff with his daughter sort of they didn't really become that much closer he fixed her like clothes problem well she's probably still pissed after that acl mcl oh <laughs> yeah oh my yeah <laughs> fucking yeah that's a bad that is bad when that happens so that that relationship <laughs> is probably worse at the end than it is at the beginning <laughs> maybe yeah and then i so i don't know why it was supposed to be like hey he's figured it out because it just didn't really seem like he had i i don't i think the point is like at the end he's he's just a little happier you know he gets the promotion he's on the float and he's like i didn't Mm -hmm. think i'd be here behind the firefighters and in front of spongebob but (laughs) you know what i'm the weatherman and then it's like okay cue sunglasses (laughs) walk in walk into the sunset because this movie's over (laughs) yeah i mean you're right he's just he starts the movie just like a little bit sad and then he ends the movie just like a little bit happier yeah but that is you know one of the most important hurdles when you're talking about changing your outlook on life changing your overall attitude that you approach life from you know like switching from a slightly negative to a slightly positive outlook is actually like a huge step to overcome i think for some people at least yeah that's a good point um damn have you guys noticed how like introspective we've gotten on this one like we don't usually dig this far into the themes of a movie maybe this is a good movie i i think this movie was good i i think it's certainly underrated like this movie has yeah. like about a six out of 10 on like, you know, the Rotten Tomatoes and the IMDb's and things like uh-huh. that. And I think that's being a not quite giving enough credit. Like I didn't think it was outstanding, 
but I thought it was solid and is, I mean, it's a very technically good movie. Um, like I said, it just doesn't quite have that, you know, it factor that, mm-hmm. you know, pulled me in. But yeah, it's not a bad movie. And I can't think of anything where I'm like, this element was bad. I can't think of a single thing like that. Maybe Michael Caine's voice. No. But Eve. What? That, you can let that go. Yeah, I can let that go. <laughs> um, at, in the middle of this movie, um, when he's at the archery range and it shows like the tide of ice, I had wrote something in my notes. This is where my mind was going. <laughs> at this point, the icy tide is overwhelming pressure. Maybe that life is hard and I'm nothing but a disappointment. But then the everyday minutiae and just tediousness of just going to the grindstone Mm -hmm. just makes you want to die. (laughs) And then I was like, I was just like, I don't remember. I was just like sad. I was like, this is sad. I'm sad about this. I don't like it. I don't. (laughs) I was just like, bro, look, I, I shot. Are you okay? I just, I hated this. I, I was like, everyone, <laughs> Sean, we're roommates. Why didn't you text me and tell me you needed a cuddle? I'm, I'm gonna come over after this. No, it's, it's okay. I just, I, I just was like, I get it. Like, you yeah. know, he's, he's going to work every day mm-hmm. to do that. Like, you know, how early do you get up? for the you know morning news he was like going to work at 10 or whatever and i was like what no they they got news at at like eight in the morning what are you doing you gotta be at work dude but hey it maybe they got other newscasters doing the weather i don't know maybe they just just don't do the weather they're like no weather until (laughs) no weather no weather weather starts at 10 no luck the the weather here is like they tell you every 10 minutes it's like I thought that was just regular news. Like if they just the news is on, it's like every ten minutes of the news, they're like back to the weather. Like back to the weather. That's what they say. <laughs> That's what they say. Brian Gumble, back to the weather. And unfortunate <laughs> and unfortunately, none survived. Back to oh, the weather. Yeah. <laughs> so I I I was just, I thought this, like, it's that every day, it's like the, you know, the quiet man or that, like, just, he's just standing at that water cooler, saying nothing, looking into space, doesn't seem to have any friends there. Like, he doesn't seem to have friends, period. Mm -mm. Like, (laughs) which I thought was like, well, no wonder you're sad. You should talk to people. Yeah, I guess. He doesn't really have anybody. Yeah, no. friends are cool. I love you guys. The, I love you yeah. too, Jeff. Love you guys. Love you guys. <laughs> so, so. D- <laughs> does, does anyone... Uh, you can't see anyone... this um, at home if you're listening. You can't see this. We are all hugging right now. Aw, yeah. bring it in, guys. We're all wearing one sweater. Aw, it's a big one. We it's stretched got... it out. Yeah, but only two armholes. Oh! <laughs> Three head holes for some reason. Why did we do this? Yeah, it's a weird sweater. All right. It was a custom job. All right, guys. I think we're... I, I can't think of much else that I want to talk specifically about in this movie. So let's just... Uh, let's run over to the uh, 
uh, oh, what do you call that thing? Um, it's like the scenes, but the other part, um, behind them. Oh, oh yeah, that... let's go behind the scenes. Yeah. Okay. Pick up the curtain, just... run into the wings, fly the. I'm sorry. In this, is it is behind the scenes? You just like go behind the counter of Arby's. Is it is behind the scenes in this like where you're just like hiding behind the like archery post like or what is that target like, what yeah no the it, archery, it was the, yeah, it was the, the first the, one the archery arrow post. easel yeah let yeah, me he got good groupings on that it was nice i i think you're you're closer on the first one i want to take you behind the counter back to the area where they put the patties on the little conveyor belt mm -hmm. and, before know. they chuck them at the weatherman let's yeah, <laughs> let's go find out how the warm mcdonald's apple pie is made yeah, I mostly just want to talk about Gore Verbinski. Gore yes. Verbinski, the director, mm -hmm. uh, has Great like name. A, he has a very uh, interesting uh, career. So he 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 has some movies that I, I'm not familiar with that maybe are are closer to this sort of like almost indie aesthetic. Mm -hmm. But he's most widely known i would say for his work on the pirates of the caribbean franchise the first three films yeah which were coming out at the same time as this movie this came out between the first and the second or the second and the third oh wow came out came out in the middle of like he was between oh, yeah. it was like an off year for him or whatever he just took a break from directing disney's pirates of the caribbean and made this movie <laughs> which is super weird also worked on yeah. The Ring, the American remake of The Ring. No shit. It's yeah. weird. I can I can kind of see that. Like the the Pirates of the Caribbean and this movie are completely different. Like I I would not have expected that connection, but I kind of see it with The Ring. The Ring has the same kind of cold color palette and like dreariness to it. Sure. Visually, yeah, yeah I I can definitely see it visually. I also learned that he had a very hands-on approach to, you know, a lot of the aspects of this film. He recorded with Hans Zimmer, like he recorded guitar tracks. Whoa! For the soundtrack, he Gore? he personally lobbed every single McDonald's apple pie at Nick Cage. <laughs> every. Well, I mean, I guess there's at least one shot in the movie where it's there's an you know you see an actor throwing it or whatever, but the montage where they're all coming from off screen, it's fucking fucking gore every time. Hey Nick, like hey Nick, that one that was no good. Let's take it again. He and it's awesome too. Like in this in this thing that I watched, there you know there's like an intern and he's just holding a tray with like fifty McDonald's apple pies on it. <laughs> Probably like I guess his aim wasn't that good. Well, because like this is a movie. He it yeah. showed like a a quick cut of like several apple mm. pie collisions all in a row. You know they're just filming on the street in Chicago. Anybody else um, want to get in on this? I got a whole tray of apple pies. <laughs> Nick Cage is right over there. Just kidding. Only me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nick Cage is. I I really just want the director lobbing the uh, chicken fingers and. Apple pies at me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a multi-talented uh, 
director, certainly a musician, apparently. I mean, I feel Mm. like Hans Zimmer wouldn't, like, you know, suffer a fool lightly. Like, Mm -hmm. he gives an actual performance. He's like, performs on the soundtrack of this movie that he directed. Um, Wow. It just, uh, it, it interested me because, like, I haven't seen The Ring in a very long time. And Mm. outside of that, the only thing I really knew about uh, this guy is that, you know, he'd worked on this Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, much maligned. But I think there are actually good things in that movie. I mean, like you get the, you know, a a good performance out of Johnny Depp, tar and fucking feather me. I kind of like Captain Jack Sparrow. The first Pirates of the Caribbean movie fucking rules. It's great. It's a fun, awesome, swashbuckling, like, adventure movie. Yeah, I mean, like, I, it, all, all, all I'm saying is seeing the difference between that movie, that franchise, and this movie has definitely got me interested in checking out uh, some more of his flicks. So I'm definitely adding those uh, to uh, the list of things to be renting from the old uh, video store. Well, if we ever do a Johnny Depp podcast, he also apparently did The Lone Ranger. Okay, man, not that one. That's oh shit, he did Mouse Hunt. Oh, that's a good movie. That's yeah, a good never, movie. Never seen it. Uh, it's Mouse got Hunt. Nathan okay. Lane. It's fantastic. All right, that's the one. I'm adding that to my list. Okay, cool. Um, uh, so I actually also, believe it or not, found a little bit of behind the scenes stuff about this movie. Um, All not right. much okay. actually. I just was looking at the screenwriter Stephen Conrad. Um, he has done a few other movies that I've heard of and seen. Uh, he did this movie, The Pursuit of Happiness, the Will Smith one, uh-huh. and The Secret Life of Walter Mitty, the one about Ben Stiller and like his imagination. I think I didn't see that one. Huh? Yeah. So he's kind of nailed down this niche pretty well of like dissatisfied middle aged dude. Like middle-aged dad kind of guy. Huh, interesting. Yeah, I took a quick look at his filmography and I wasn't really super familiar with the Pursuit of Happiness is the one I most know about and I, I haven't seen it, so. Yeah, um, that's pretty much all I had to say about that one. Sean, do you have any uh, behind-the-scenes stuff you want to throw in? Uh, I watched a thing about it. I did not retain anything <laughs> I I was just like, oh jeez, okay, cool, all right. <laughs> yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Like, I I saw the movie and then I was just sad, and that was pretty much it. Yeah. yeah. It it I did uh, notice it's like the there was a lot of the director talking in the the little clip I saw, but it was just like. He kept talking about all these other things that were like, you know, the the Arby's or the, you know, the location they shot at or Mm -hmm. whatever. And I felt like he's really not talking anything about what the character thinks or feels in this moment. Mm -hmm. And I was like, "Uh, okay, yeah. Just more like the the technical stuff. Yeah, I was. I mean, this budget was. 22 million dollars and it only made Damn. 19 yeah oof my yeah. goof oof. a misstep a misstep for I sure mean, you know what he's got office. that he's got that pirates of the caribbean money though oh yeah 
Yeah, I mean that, and we all know that Disney pays their Pirates of the Caribbean money in doubloons. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. All yeah, all Disney uh, payouts are all themed. Yeah. Yeah, I, I accept true. that you have to pay me in doubloons, but can't you just get a chest that's big enough to contain all of them? Why do they have to be spilling out of the top? Also, why are they cursed? Why? <laughs> yeah, why are they cursed? Well, all Disney's money is cursed, I'm sure. But <laughs> <laughs> sorry, just drive past that. Real and quick. let's just leave it. <sighs> let's just leave a space here for the edit. And, and no. Um, so now we come to the hardest question of them all. Who could possibly replace Nicolas Cage in this movie? If you had to recast him with a different actor or actress from any time period, who would it be? Mm, I just, I thought about this a little bit and I thought like Bill Murray has done something similar. Like I, th wow. I could see him do something like that. Where sure. It That's... seems very, his, his, it would be not too much of a different movie mm -hmm. like, uh, what is the one where he's in Japan? Lost in Translation. Lost in Translation. Love it, that it movie. Seems, it seems like it would be kind of like return to that kind of acting. But overall, um, Kurt Russell. <laughs> <laughs> but if I really thought about it. You know, Bill Murray's the he's he can be the backup. You always got to have a plan B for Bill. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm yeah, kidding. Well, you always I, I mean, if I you're if you're making a movie, you have to ask Kurt Russell first. And then when he turns it down to his busy schedule, mm -hmm. you know, then you explore your other options. And I mean, I don't think Kurt Russell would actually be a good fit for this movie. Mm -hmm. I just didn't want to break the habit. Mm -hmm. It's important. Um, wow. That's such an obvious answer. I cannot believe I didn't think of that. This is like the exact kind of thing that bill murray would like if you told me that they tried to get bill murray and couldn't i would completely believe that yeah mm -hmm. i i do like sad bill murray you know the like yeah. sadder parts of groundhog day and, and or, stuff like that or like lost moonrise, in translation moonrise kingdom where he's just chill in the woods mm -hmm. you know like not he's not particularly depressed in that but he definitely doesn't smile much what is that one movie <laughs> broken flowers i think it's called uh, I don't know. One sec. I'm going to look that up. Uh, Osmosis Jones. That's what I was thinking of. Um, there it is. There it is. He is. He is sad in that movie. It's I love that movie. sad, more like pathetic. Yeah, but, he does get sad sometimes. Uh, Jeff, do you have an answer? Uh, yeah, I actually do. Uh, I, I have an answer that I, I think I'm actually pretty pleased with. I Ooh. would like to see Matthew Broderick in this role. Oh, kind of a softer yeah. more timid like sort of stuttering approach to like the interactions with the like you know half fan half enemy people that he's always encountering i, uh -huh. I want to i want to see a more like hesitant kind of take on it where like you know he he talks back but like you know only a half step at a time um, yeah, I feel yeah, he'd be such a natural at doing these parts. Yeah, wow, that's a really good answer, man. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think it would uh it would give um kind of uh a different like instead of the you know, Nick Cage is much more reserved than mm -hmm. he usually is, you would have like, you know, Matthew Broderick in the moments where he 
the emotions actually escalate, you know, maybe those moments would be punchier. Yeah, I yeah, I, I think he'd maybe be a little bit more sympathetic, too. Yeah. Like, well, I don't know how you could I don't know. I couldn't see Matthew Broderick in a role where I'm like, fuck this guy. Um, except for maybe election, I guess. <laughs> well, I I, in that, that same thing, oh, I was so I was trying to I was trying to remember his name uh, uh, from Mad Men, uh, Rich Summer. Rich Summer. Yeah, he's uh, he. <laughs> this is, I guess, more of a joke for people that watch local news in Iowa. But you're hearing two people type. type. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The guy from the office who tries to bang Pam. Yep. Oh it. sure, yeah, that guy. Ah. Art school, gotcha. Yeah, art school. Anyways, I think he always kind of had that like kind of weatherman personality yeah. or like look. Like I could see him in like doing the news. Yeah, like hi, I'm Rich Summer. Yeah, and yeah, and Rich, if you're listening, and we know you are. It's it's not too late. Get what? that meteorologist <laughs> meteorologist degree. I was just gonna I was just gonna <laughs> apologize for referring to him as the guy from the office. You've been in more stuff. Yeah, uh, I just played a video game where he was the like main character. It was a uh, Halo Fire. No Fire. Halo Two. Fire Watch. Spyro. It's Fire Watch. Pronounced Spyro. Fire Watch. Rich Summer, aka Spyro the Dragon. Okay, I do have an answer to the question. Also, I would say Tom Hanks. I think would be pretty good. Although I don't know if he would be involved in it. It might be a little bit too like. There's too much vulgarity in it for him. I was thinking there would be just like he would not allow himself to be hit with a pie. <laughs> you don't think you'd you think Tom oh, Hanks no. would be like, no, Tom Hanks. No. Doesn't also, he's pie. not driving any vehicles in this. Does he so, got to do that? Yeah, it's Tom is, Hanks. Is that one of those things like Brad Pitt has to eat and Tom Cruise has to run. Have you noticed every movie that Tom Hanks has put out in the last several years is nothing but. Oh, I'm a conductor of a train. Oh, I'm flying a plane this time. Oop, submarine this time. Oh, yeah, you're right. Have you not picked up? He's doing that. <laughs> I have to drive. I have to operate a big piece of machinery into a bunch of birds. What? Or else I'm not going to do it, Gore. I have to drive this children's television program. What? Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. Oh, there is a there is a train in that. Yeah, there is a train. It counts. <laughs> it counts, folks. Well, I think we're pretty much done. <laughs> At yeah, this point, that's... we're just we're just listing Tom Hanks movies. Yep. Well, <laughs> like Tony says in this movie, can I get you a corn dog? <laughs> Thanks for listening, guys. So... So uh, just real quick before we go, I do want to uh, give a give a quick plug to the old Twitter account. Um, go ahead and give us a follow on there and and tell us what movies to watch. You know, we'd love to get uh, we'd love to get some feedback. And at this point, you will never have as much power over us as you do mm -hmm. now. You know, there's like maybe five people listening. So mm -hmm. your vote you know, matters so much more than it does in any other election. <laughs> oh, tell us. So don't watch. bother with. So don't bother with any of those. That's not what I said. You. That's uh, not what I said. I, I think we can read the subtext, Jeff. 
That's not what I said. So well, that is the official ATWAC position. We talked about this beforehand. Elections don't matter. <laughs> oh, if your vote hell. mattered, it'd be illegal. <laughs> but what's so not stupid. illegal? Vote. Please vote, people. God damn it! Please. Oh my vote. God, we've got. To, I we've got to get out vote. of here. But here's vote. something that's not illegal. Go to uh, www.twitter.com, and then you're gonna give us a follow at at Whack Podcast, and that's where you're gonna type a tweet that says. Jeff, will you please watch National mm. Treasure? Thank you. Yes, that's A-T-W-A-C. All right, well, thanks for listening, guys. This has been All the World's a Cage. Uh, tune in next week when we will do um, another movie. Bye. Uh, bye. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't worry. This will be short. If you enjoy the podcast and want updates, check us out on Twitter. We're at Atwac Podcast. That's A-T-W-A-C Podcast for All the World's a Cage. Also, review us on iTunes if you use that. Or recommend us to a friend. Well, ask if they like Nick Cage first, and then ask if they like podcasts, and then recommend us. Thanks again.